Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back to Murder and Mimosas. I'm Danica. And I'm Shannon. Shannon, I know some of our favorite parts of the spooky season are getting to watch scary movies. What many don't know is that some of these scary movies are extra scary because they're based on real life. For example, Psycho, Silence of the Lamb, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What real life things are these based off of? They are based on Ed Gein. However, I will preface that I personally think they're all very loosely based off him and his crimes. Does this mean we are talking about him today? Yes, we are. While we normally talk about lesser-known crimes, this seemed fitting for the month of October. I figured many might not be aware that these well-known horror flicks are a nod to Gein. Let's start with his childhood because it's peculiar to say the least. Edward Theodore Gein was born in Plainfield, Wisconsin on August 27th of 1906. In the home when Ed was born was his father, George Gein, his mother, Augusta Gein, and his older brother, Henry Gein. From multiple sources, it was said that George, the father, was an alcoholic, though in all accounts, a fairly timid man. Augusta, the mother, seemed to be the abuser in the home. While I found no records of her being physically abusive, she seemed to be very verbally abusive, especially to Ed. Both of Ed's parents were religious. Some would even say fanatically religious, which in the past we've found that that doesn't bode well. <laughs> no. Despite the poor treatment from his own mother, Ed seemed to idolize her. This it seemed especially odd to Henry, Ed's older brother, who on multiple occasions pointed it out in front of their mother. Ed wasn't swayed by his brother's mockery of him, though. He was still steadfast in his admiration of Augusta. Part of me wonders if that was because school didn't seem to be a great place for Ed either. He had a lazy eye and a speech impediment, so he had a target on his back for constant bullying and ridicule from his peers. Sources say that Ed was pretty socially awkward and also would have random fits of uncontrollable laughter. When Ed was 34, his father George died, and himself and Henry began doing odd jobs to make money for the family. Just a short four years later, Ed would lose his brother in what is ruled by police as an accident. You don't sound like you believe this. Oh, I don't. The two brothers were burning brush and vegetation on the family's land when supposedly the fire got out of hand and Henry got burned up by the fire. I mean, that seems like a reasonable thing that could have happened. It does, but that doesn't explain the fact that, A, the police easily put out the fire, so I don't know that it was let out of control, and that after the fire was put out, Ed could take them straight to Henry's body, and Henry had unaccounted for bruising on his head. Burns can be explained by a fire, but fire-induced bruises is a new one for me. Okay, I agree. That sounds a bit sketchy. It would be the following year that Ed would lose his final and most important family member, his dear mother. After Augusta passed, Ed essentially became a hermit and parts of his home became shrines to his mother. 
He still did odd jobs to make money, but he definitely wasn't one to be real social. What did he do with all this time he had? Well, he focused his time on his obsessions. He studied Nazi medical experiments, human anatomy, and watched porn, as well as reading thriller and horror novels. And of course, he began his even more depraved pastimes that we'll get into. During this time, others in town didn't seem to think much of Ed or mind Ed. We're going to take a quick second to listen to a clip of Ed's neighbor. So according to his neighbor, he was just like everyone else, except for maybe a bit odd. So what we're going to do is going to fast forward just a little bit to November of 1957. It was during this time that Gein became a suspect to the local police. It also sparked the uncovering of the disturbing things that Gein had been doing for the last 12 years. Things that police had never seen before. While I'm intrigued by what they have found, why was Gein on the law enforcement's radar? Well, Bernice Warden was a 58-year-old widow who owned a local hardware store. And randomly, Bernice went missing from her store, leaving nothing behind except blood. Ed Gein was Bernice's last customer when he came in to buy a gallon of antifreeze. They know this because the receipt was still there with Ed's name on it. Being the only real lead, the police head up to Gein's farmhouse to talk to Ed. And I don't even think that they really saw him as a suspect so much as they wanted information for him. However, it was a little too it was too little too late for Bernice when they arrived. When police entered the home, they found Bernice dead. She was hanging from the kitchen rafters from her ankles, and she was decapitated. Oh my gosh, I am sure that was quite the shock to the police. I'm sure, but it may have been the least shocking thing they uncovered in the house of horrors. For the past decade, Ed had been systematically grave robbing. However, instead of snatching jewelry or valuables, Ed was taking body parts, skin, and bones. Do you know how many graves he robbed? Not an exact number, but over 40 graves from three local graveyards, which calculates to roughly three graves a year. That is freaking sick, and I'm afraid to ask the next question. But what was he doing with all these bodies? He was using them to make household items and decor, There were bowls and utensils in the kitchen made of skulls and bones. He had clothes made of skin, masks made from faces, furniture upholstered with human skin, a lampshade made from a face, and even a pair of lips were created as a window shade drawstring. Also, there was a belt made of nipples. That one really threw me. The police uncovered so many disturbing things, but they also earned earth that Gein was responsible for another murder. Oh my gosh, who else did he murder? Mary Hogan, who disappeared in 1954. She was a local tavern keeper at a tavern Gein visited on occasion, and her remains were found in Gein's farmhouse, among other people's body parts. There are many dismembered body parts found around the home, many different fingernails, four noses, and genitalia from nine different women. Do we know why Ed decided to start grave robbing and murdering? 
According to Gein, it began about two years after his mother Augusta died. He went to visit her grave and, in a bit of a daze, began wandering the graveyards. Soon, he began looking for bodies of people that resembled his mother. His newest project was to create a, quote, woman suit so he could wear it to become his mother. That is disgusting on so many levels. Yeah. Of course, Ed Gein was arrested, as he should be. Gein was not found guilty, though. What? How's he not found guilty? Well, in 1957, the man dubbed the Butcher of Plainfield was found not guilty by reason of insanity. He was sent to the state hospital for the criminally insane. While there, he was diagnosed as schizophrenic. Ten years later, Gein had been found competent to stand trial for Bernice Warden and was convicted. What about the other murder he committed? Did he get tried for that one, too? No, Gein was not tried for Mary Hogan's death. The state felt it was a waste of money. Essentially, they felt that he was crazy and he'd either, either way, he'd end up in the state hospital. Because after getting convicted for Bernice Warden, he was still sent back to the hospital for the criminally insane. In 1958, Gein's farmhouse was mysteriously burned to the ground. Many speculate someone from town burned it down because of the evils that occurred there. Not that I blame them. On July 26 of 1984, the butcher of Plainfield was found deceased. It was ruled as natural causes from respiratory and heart failure. Ed Gein, being infamous, had his grave vandalized constantly and his headstone stolen in 2000. It was later found in 2001 near Seattle, Washington, and now appears in a museum in Washington. Ed Gein and his infamous crimes became the groundwork for many references in pop culture. He was the inspiration for Norman Bates from Psycho, the skin-wearing Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Buffalo Bill, who tried to make the skin suit as well, from Silence of the Lambs, just to name a few. While we know of his two murders, Gein never confessed to more before his death, Gein is still noted as a serial killer. While that might be up for debate, what isn't is that Gein and his crimes would be so macabre that morbid curiosity would lend to horror films that are still well-known and watched today. That is true. But also, can you imagine how many people he could have actually killed? This was the 50s, so deciphering all those body parts and things, you have no idea who's really in that house because they didn't really know how to how to do DNA and all that in the 50s. So. Yeah, they um, they only f- know about Mary Hogan because they found her head, which is pretty easy to identify for someone. And Bernice's head was there as well, so they could have different. But beyond that, you're looking at dismembered parts. If you don't have a head or maybe fingerprints, but that would be if they had fingerprints to compare it to. Yeah. There could have been a lot more bodies. Yeah. And a lot more murders. So I think that's why people call him a serial killer, even though it's not really conclusive that he killed more than two, unless you count his brother, which I feel like like he did too. But Uh, I mean, that's just, I don't think that there's any way to know when you've got all those body parts in there and you didn't have the technology to know who these people were and just saying that they were parts of bodies out of graves. But, um, also, I guess he was really into recycling before recycling was big. Yeah. So reduce, reuse, recycle. He yes. got that reuse thing down for he sure. He did. He did. 
That's a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. He was he was ahead of his time. He was. Know? He was. But it's these three movies that I talked about, The Psycho, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Silence of the Lambs are just really big movies that I, but there was a list of movies when I was looking into this that are based off Ed Gein that are scary movies. But it's crazy to me that out of all of them, they're Ed Gein inspired movies. Mm-hmm. But I've yet to see one that is like an Ed Gein mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And I think that's crazy because that's the real life thing. And people are trying to turn fiction into a horror movie, which I get. It's scary. It's scary the idea of someone wearing your a face around chasing you with a ma- like a chainsaw more than it is a guy going to dig up a grave to recreate his mother. But that's still scary. Oh, that and that's is scary. The scary thing about it is that one actually happened. <laughs> I know. So. But yeah, it's, it, and it's also weird how loosely based it is. Like when you see the beginning of Chainsaw Massacre and they're like, oh, this is based on a true story. And you start looking into it and you're like, uh, See, no, not really. I think that should say inspired by yes. a true story. That is not based on a true story. Uh-huh. Ed Gein wasn't running around with a chainsaw. From what I found, he had no yeah. chainsaw whatsoever. These were, I mean, had to be skinned perfectly to upholster a chair and make a lampshade with them. Chainsaw is not going to be real <laughs> delicate for you. That's true. Um, and Norman Bates really was just inspired because of his strange love for his mother much like ed gein's um and he was psycho pretty sure ed gein was psycho too um i think ed wanted to or in psycho they wanted norman bates wanted a stuffed mom yeah yeah and so (laughs) and buffalo bill was creating um a woman's suit yeah fun fact buffalo bill there's also an american soldier named that threw me off when i was trying to (laughs) i was like it's like what so Buffalo Bill the from Silence of the Lamb, not Buffalo Bill the American soldier. That guy was, um, you know, a hero fighting the war. Um, but yeah, it's it's really just blows my mind that none of these are really Ed Gein. Um, they're not based on true events. They're inspired by true events, and that's what they should say. It really makes me mad. It says based on. Okay, also I have a question. So did he ever get out on his own? Because it's saying at 34, his dad died and they're helping with bills. Did he ever have a girlfriend, ever get out on his own, him or his brother? Um, I don't know much about his brother other than the vague accident <laughs> that happened. Ed Gein did not. Ed Gein, after his brother died, I guess reveled in his mother's attention for the year mm-hmm. before she passed. And then... He holed up in his shrine of a house and all his skin decor. Mm-hmm. Also, that should never ever be a trend, okay? No. We're not going to do, like, skin decor no. recycling. And Dahmer tried to bring it back. It just didn't work. Yeah. With his tropical fish dye, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> if you haven't seen the newest Dahmer um series on netflix and you don't know what i'm talking about probably you should watch it and then you'll get my reference but it's fine we're just referencing other serial killers <laughs> as we talk about serial killers because that's all we know about <laughs> um, anyway that's all i got about ed gein and his infamous crimes that inspired multiple horror shows so have a mimosa on us as you watch an ed gein inspired horror movie this weekend yes happy Spooky season. Bye. Bye.
Hey, everyone. We really hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you have a request for an upcoming show that you'd like to be done, you can email us at murder.mimosas at gmail.com. If you'd like to see the pictures that go along with today's episode, you can check those out on our Instagram. That is at murder.mimosas. And you can also find us on Twitter. Again, that is murder.mimosas. We can't wait to hear from you guys, and we'll see you next week.